Hello, welcome to episode three of the Jaded One Percent. I'm Dave, and with me is Joe Davis. Joe Davis. All right. So tonight in episode three, uh, or whenever particular time you're listening to this, you may not be listening to it at night. Uh, we are going to be uh, discussing some of the labels that get uh, placed on us, uh, maybe even labels that we put on ourselves, uh, terms such as Christian, uh, soldier, officer, uh, or even if you are somebody that identifies as being jaded and what uh, being jaded means. And so um, as we kind of venture into this and we share with you who we are and where we're coming from and what we're doing, uh, want to kind of give you um, a breakdown of the terms that often get thrown out there and where Joe and I are coming from on that. And uh, you might disagree with us. You might agree. You might have a variation of, of where we're at on some of these things. Uh, but I think what we're looking for is we're looking for conversation. We're looking for dialogue. We're looking for an ongoing uh, engagement with each other uh, in a way that maybe we don't normally do uh, because we are jaded. So, Joe, did you have any thoughts to kick us off? Uh, no, you said it very clearly. I think that there's a <clears throat> a preconceived idea about um, who we are from a public standpoint, but also an, an internal standpoint. Um, and, uh, I mean, we're human beings, so we, we create our own labels. Um, we create our own um, subgroups within our own, uh, within our own groups. And, um, uh, I mean, human beings do what human beings do. You know, we, we segregate ourselves into these little categories and put ourselves in these positions of hierarchy and labels, I think, get created naturally. So, negative and positive. Yeah, that is that is definitely true. And what I have as a meaning behind a word you may not agree with and so on and down the line. So one of the things that uh, both you and I identify as is we say we're Christians. Right. Uh, we're followers of Jesus. Um, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? Um and I don't even know, maybe you want to give like a stereotype of what uh, people say. Something that other people have said is that um hypocrite. Mm, yeah. And um, which is hard to take because I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I didn't always uh, live out my faith because I, I didn't make it my own. It was my parents. And I've, you know, as I've gotten older, I've had to make it my own and, and challenge, you know, these things that I believe. But that has come up from people outside of the faith. And um, as I've witnessed, you know, myself and um, others, um, that comes up. And uh, it doesn't make me feel good, but it's definitely a, a gut check to say, what is our, what is it that we're doing as, you know, quote-unquote Christians that are making people feel that way? Yeah. So I know for me personally, and I think uh, this is true for most folks, is that when we talk about um, being a Christian, is that we have to be good. Yeah. Uh, we do the right things. We always make the right choices. And I, I guess one of the places that we're coming from is that, uh, yeah, sure, that's, that's the objective. That's what we hope for. But the reality is, is we often fall very short of that. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, as I look at people who... 
did follow Jesus and, and, and knew him personally, and their story is written in uh, the Bible, there aren't a whole lot of people that like did it right all the time. In fact, I don't yeah. think there's anybody that did it right all the time. I think everybody had their moment, if not moments, plural, where they fell short and did not do... I think part of that is, um, at least for myself as I look back, is that I don't allow myself to be a human being because I think the church hasn't necessarily always done the best job of saying, you know, what is a Christian? Well, you have to be like Jesus, and he was perfect, so there's your expectation. Yeah. <clears throat> so I, th- I think that's, you know, that's, that's hard to, uh, you know, almost live up to. I mean, it's impossible to live up you know, to what Jesus did here. But we so often forget that we're still human beings. We're still going to make, you know, mistakes and have errors, um, make bad decisions. And, um, you know, we hold people in the Bible at this iconic level because they're in the Bible. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they were human beings. And, um, you know, mistakes were made. But on the flip side of that... God's plan always prevailed, and there's always a redemption side of things. And we just, you know, we lose sight of that, especially with the label as, you know, oh, Christian, so you're a goody two-shoes, so you don't drink, you don't smoke, you know, you don't you do not do this, you don't do that. Um, you know, I mean, there, there's, I think there's a lot of, a lot of pictures come to mind when that word Christian gets thrown around. And the funny thing is, you know, 80% of the country, you know, 80 plus percent of the country claims to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's a very loose term, but at the same time, people have this unrealistic expectation um, about what that really is. Yeah. So, um, so, and I guess for me personally, feel free to disagree on this, is I believe a Christian is somebody who has decided to. Uh, allow Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior. Basically, they're saying, I have no clue how to live my life. Uh, Everything I do, I seem to uh, mess it up. And so, God, uh, I want you in my life. I want to um, learn to put myself uh, third. I want to put you first. I want to put others second. And I want to live a life uh, that is glorifying to you and edifying to you. And... Even in the desire to do that, um, we fall short. I will just tell those of you who are listening right now that I have been a Christian vast majority of my life. I didn't grow up in a Christian home per se. Uh, and even though I consider myself a Christian, um, I I still lie. I still lust. I still engage in conversation from talking poorly about others to coarse joking to things that the Bible says I shouldn't do, I still do it. Um, And so I guess I just want you all to know that I am a sinner. (laughs) I sin every day. I sin regularly. And as I say that, my desire um, is is to become more and more Christ-like, more like Jesus. And um, I know... For those of you that maybe have listened to other other podcasts, such as the Master Class or things that uh, I have done, 
is that I think it comes down to two things. I think it comes down to reading your Bible on a regular basis, and I think it comes down to prayer, mm-hmm. uh, because those are those are the ways that we engage with God. And for me, I believe that those are the very first kind of fun- fundamental things of those should be present in your life if you consider yourself a Christian. You should be reading your Bible, and you should be praying on a regular basis. Uh, the other thing I will admit is that, and, and this is my experience over the 40-some years that I've been on this earth, is that you are going to have seasons in your life where prayer is difficult. There's going to be seasons in your life where reading the Word on a regular basis is non-existent, and that is why we are dependent on His grace. Totally. I, I think the, the the farther I get so I used to think grace was this thing that, well, grace was, grace brought me to Jesus. And I used to think I needed the, the grace more when I was this new Christian and I was this sinner asking for forgiveness. And in my journey of getting closer to him and walking with him, I realized I need more and more grace. I need it on a daily basis. Uh, one of my favorite authors is Dallas Willard, and Dallas Willard says he basically burns through grace like jet fuel. You know, it's like as fast as it could possibly be consumed. Uh, he is consuming grace, and and that is 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 much for me. So, in saying that, I I, I also don't want to just have this like blanket like glib kind of like, well, go ahead and sin because God's going to forgive you anyway. Our, our, we should be pursuing a lifestyle. Where we sin less, I think the pursuit is uh, uh, we're supposed to be emulators of Christ. Mm-hmm. We should be pursue. I mean, the Catholics I think say it really well is that they pursue holiness. Mm-hmm. I think that's true um, that we should be pursuing holiness. Um, I don't always get it right. Um, I jack it up every day. You know, yep. it's just you know, I don't want to. I just you know, there's you know habits and hangups that kind of get in the way of you know, what my heart really wants, but, you know, you know, this earthly side of me is just, it's still, it still has power, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And it is a daily battle. It's, a, I think Dallas Willard said it pretty good. You know, yeah. I might be using it like at light speed, <laughs> but. First <laughs> uh, Peter one fifteen says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you do for it is written, be holy because I am holy. So we are called to holiness. It's right. not always easy. And I, I guess that's one of the things that is, is we delve into the Jaded 1%, which if you haven't had an opportunity to do, please check out our website at thejaded1percent.com. Uh, the spelled out, jaded spelled out, one is the number one. And then percent spelled out dot com. So the jaded one percent where one is the only numeral, everything else is the full word. So check us out at the jaded one percent dot com. Is this kind of as I have looked at I, I've read a handful of books related to law enforcement and being a Christian. And I personally have just found this kind of mentality of, when, well, when I read it, it's not the people that I know. It's not the people that I know in the military. It's not the people that I know in law enforcement. It's funny you say that because my conversation today with a friend was mm-hmm. exactly that. He went through a so-called 
you know, law enforcement devotional. He mm-hmm. gave it two weeks of reading it every day, and he said, I just was disappointed every day I read it. Yeah. I, I think there's this real disconnect from, you know, that 1%, you know, that circle, those of us inside the circle, and then there's the outside world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think the outside, that 99% have good intentions of trying to reach us, you know, about what being a Christian is. But the the reality of that is they just don't get that. Right. And it's not any fault of their own, but this, you know, this these jobs are unique. And so, um, I don't know, you, see, you need someone on the inside to to speak about those, what being a Christian is like in this circle. Well, and that, it, it, but that's even it. It's, these books have been written by Christians in law enforcement. And, and I'm just like, are you, are you really this way? Or do you write this because this is what's going to get you published? I think it's a, is, feel good. Is a Christian, well, is a Christian author. Well, I mean, if you're writing with intent to get published and you want that feel good, Mm-hmm. Yeah, why not? They're human beings. Yeah. Or are you going to write because it's honest and truthful? Yeah. I mean, because I would much rather someone give it to me with, you know, a lot of bark, you know, foul language and a lot of passion versus, oh, these are the quote unquote, these are the right things to say as a Christian. Well, th- you know, that's real great and dandy, mm-hmm. but, you know, when it comes to the day to day stuff and you're dealing with garbage day in and day out with the job, that doesn't cut it. Right. It just doesn't. Yeah. And, 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 and that's it for me is, you know, I will just tell you, I, I go on calls where I want to help people. I go on calls where I want to represent Jesus. I go on calls. So when I say calls, basically it means, well, I'm assuming our audience would know this, but, you You're know, cop. the person has called in to 911. They've called into the police and they, they're asking us for us to respond, whether it be, you know, a domestic disturbance or a child out of control or whatever it may be. And in the moment, I get frustrated so fast, uh, particularly when people start lying to me, they start giving me the a half truth. Uh, they're playing games. They're saying one thing to one person. They're saying another thing to another person. And, you know, there, there really isn't a crime being convict, uh, committed. There's There's kind of this just... We can't handle our problem, so we're going to involve the police for them to come and solve it for us. And uh, I was a uh, pastor, youth pastor, prior to becoming uh, a police officer, and this job has definitely changed me over 15 years. And uh, you're kidding? It changed? Yeah, you, really? it changed me quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and there are people that. You know, I value their opinion of me or I, you know, my friends that I work with that whether they be Christians or not, that just sometimes laugh at me and, and literally will be like, oh, you used to be such a nice guy, Dave. And now you're just, you've come to the dark side and, and you're like the rest of us. So I, I guess what I'm saying is, is if you're listening to this and you're engaging with uh, the jaded 1%, um, we want you to be authentic about who you are and where you are because none of us is perfect. None of us has our, here it comes, our shit together. Uh, we are all messed up. I mean, that is why we need Jesus. And just because we have Jesus doesn't mean we suddenly get our shit together. No, not We come all. to Jesus because 
he, he is going to change us and he's going to work on us. And as Joe and I have been talking about this, this is, I think, kind of one of the core principles for us that has kind of come to the, the surface of something that we want to stand true in is that you need to be able to acknowledge where you are and it's okay for you to be where you are and be real about where you are. But ultimately, we don't want you to stay where you are. And I think that's inherent of being a human being. And I think it's inherent of being a human being who chooses to follow Jesus in that we want to become better. You know, as I, as I read in First Peter about being holy, well, certainly none of us are holy. So if we're pursuing holiness, then there should be a change. There should be a move forward. And we don't expect this to happen overnight. We don't expect this to happen immediately. Uh, but we hope for people to move in a more positive direction and do this from a place of, of authenticity and not faking who we are or where we are in our walk. Yeah, and I think part of it is, um, I think there's a, at least as you know, as I've viewed myself, there's I think there's two people that I see in the mirror. There's the person that has this laundry list of crap and bad things that I've done, and then there's this projection of who I want to be, and I I don't consider myself to be special or any different than anybody else, and I think everybody does that. Like I want to be this person. I want to pursue these things, and I I want to. You know, I want to right wrongs. I want to. I want to. You know, save the world. You know, we have these things that we that we want that are true desires deep in, inside of our hearts. You know, but the flip side is we we're not perfect. And so I think with being authentic, you know, we, you know, we need to, you know, we need to not lie to ourselves about where exactly we are. Um, and then, at the, you know, coupled with that, we have to be able to give ourselves grace. And for me, I struggle with that. I really, really struggle with that. I, I know the things that I've done in the past, and some of them I am just so horribly ashamed of. But if I'm supposed to be an emulator of Christ, then that means giving grace, even to myself. And that doesn't mean I'm cutting myself slack, but it means it gives me room to, to grow. It gives me room to acknowledge the things that I want to change um, but also enough room to work towards who I want to become. And I think that's part of the authenticity is that, you know, we have to um, be open to that, you know, and at the same time take that into our, our work, you know, military law enforcement, you know, it's and that's that's hard because these jobs are hard. You know, when when you're dealing with somebody who's very gruff and these professions are very gruff, um, grace is probably not the first word that comes to mind. It's just not, and um, it may almost be laughable, you know, to to be a graceful person in these jobs when you have to, um, you know, put on your your mean mug and and be a tough guy, so to speak. Um, so, um, you know, you know, we're we're not immune, and we need to allow ourselves to be that human, authentic person, and, and not just with ourselves, but it needs to go beyond us. And and this is. This takes work. This takes practice. I mean, you don't just decide this, obviously, and go, oh, yeah, I'm going to give myself grace, and I'm going to give everybody else grace, and I'm going to be authentic. It just doesn't work that way. You know, it, it's, it's, a, it's a battle. Yeah, that, that, is, that is definitely true, and I think it can frequently be toughest for us to 
give grace to ourselves and what we're experiencing and allow ourselves to be forgiven because God God does forgive. He desires to forgive and it's it's uh, you know we have that ability to go to him and say, Father, please forgive me for my sins. Um, you know, I want you as my Lord and Savior. I want to live my life for you. I realize that given the day in day out if somebody were to pick apart, my walk with you, it would not look like what it should look like. Right. Um, but God, I'm dependent on your grace and, and his grace is, is forgiving. And, you know, uh, as I think about, again, my, my perspective is from law enforcement and, and even in that I was, I, uh, was assigned to internal affairs for two years and uh, there is this, there's just this, in my back of my head of, we know um, that you can't lie. Like, you cannot lie and keep your job as a police officer. Now, do I lie? Yes, I am a liar. I've, I've lied to my wife. I've lied to my friends. I've, I've lied. I've told lies in my life, and I continue to tell, my, to, to tell lies. But I, I also can genuinely come before you and say, I haven't lied to my job. You know, anytime I've ever been asked to to tell or convey something, I t- I tell the truth, uh, almost to a fault, uh, because I'm so paranoid of of that aspect of the job, and um, I think for me personally, that is one of the things that can kind of be, um, well, well, uh, I'll take it I'll take it personally because we can often feel like we're being judged. Um, the media uh, does not paint law enforcement in a positive light. Uh, I am not a big Facebook person. Uh, I'm on there because of family, friends, you know, people that I know, but I don't spend a ton of time on there. And one of the things that I follow on there is Cop Block. I think it's called Cop Block. Anyway, it's 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 kind of one of these the groups that I I believe they're well intentioned. Uh, their desire is to. Uh, hold police accountable, and they they put video after video on their page mm-hmm. of law enforcement falling short. And it's just like anything. If you get in that realm and that's all you're looking at and that's all you see, you're going to think lo- – I, I mean, personally, I, I watch these videos and I'm like, how does that even happen? How does that even get to that point? Um, but again – and I'm sure this will be something Joe and I talk uh, much about, is that uh, you don't see the whole video. You don't have all the information. There's only a segment being shown. I, but I guess, a, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, I wrote a little piece about that, and I'll, I'll publish that soon. You know, that I think with anything, you know, you know, a lot of times we're not getting the full story. Mm-hmm. And nobody wants to be judged on a partial story. You know, our own lives, let alone our work lives. You know, we want we want the entirety of that story to come out so that we can feel like there's a bit of justice, you know, and a chance, you know, at, at explaining ourselves, you know. And I know for in the faith realm, you know, I don't want to be judged on a partial story because I'd be going to hell. Right. You know, yeah. you know I, I want, you know, I'm glad Jesus came to kind of finish that story out because, you know, that's that's my second chance. You know, that's my redemption at this. So I think that's the piece, you know, that that is uh, often forgotten, you know, you know, because it doesn't, it never feels like there's a second chance when you're in the middle of being judged. 
you're like, this is it. Oh no, this is all. This is it. You know, the scrutiny that you know being chewed out. The you know whatever comes down. The public outcry. You know, because you didn't do it right this time. But um, if you when you get it right, well, we don't really care about that. We only care when you get it wrong. Yeah. You know so. Yes, that is that is very true, and you know it's just it it is interesting. Um, you know, one of the things that is true of whether you're in law enforcement or whether you're in the military is is we have a uniform, and when you're in public in that uniform, people notice you, mm-hmm. and they notice you in a way that they would never ever notice you. So whether you're, you know, uh, in the military and you're 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 in the airport. You know, suddenly you stand out and and people may come up and thank you for your service or they may be judging you. Uh, you know, my my stepdad uh, was in Vietnam and uh, I, I, you know, this is his testimony, so I don't want to totally. Uh, but, you know, he talks about when he came back from Vietnam being suicidal because he was called a baby killer because at that particular time it he would say that they, they were judged to the extreme oh yeah just by the fact that they were wearing army fatigues or you know whatever the particular uniform would be that they were seen in um and then law enforcement is the same way um i sat in a meeting today planning a parade a christmas parade which i can't believe they still call it a christmas parade but anyway it's not a holiday parade yeah it's actually a christmas parade it's wow. an old fashioned christmas parade in a room full of people who are not law enforcement and i was the only person in uniform and i mean i walked into that room before it was halfway full and it was i was very aware that they were all aware that i was there and i was the cop and um, it is just something that is is intrinsic into choosing these careers, mm-hmm. and and when you're in that moment of wearing a uniform, you are going to be judged, and you might be judged on a positive way. Thank you for your service. Appreciate what you've done for our country, or it could be a very negative, even visceral response to seeing you in that uniform, and being disgusted by you and what you represent, what they believe you represent, and so. Um, so we've talked about being a Christian. We've talked about being in law enforcement, military, and I'm sure this is true about other professions and other things that people do, but this to me feels like one of the more difficult things, more difficult jobs to be in and profess I'm a Christian, uh, particularly with those that I work with day in and day out. Um, I think most I think most people know me, know I'm a person of faith, know that I used to be a pastor. Um but it's still not easy to turn a conversation towards faith and what it means to me. Well, I think um <clears throat> maybe it's a, a reversal role reversal. They don't want to feel like they're judged because they're not or they don't have faith. Mm, yeah. Um and I think there's I, I think also I know for myself, you know, my time in the military, I didn't want the extra scrutiny, you know, that question's like, you just joked around, you know, with that, whatever the joke was, that crude joke. Right. But I thought you said you were a Christian. Yeah. You know, or, you know, um, you know, some, you know, you know, porno magazine gets tossed around and, you know, comes across your lap and, 
you know, you get everybody's waiting for you to kind of flip through it, but at the same time, they also know, oh, he's a Christian. What's he gonna do? I yeah. mean, it's almost like a this little litmus test. That, yeah, that they that they do on purpose, but um, I th- there's this this expectation that you're gonna act different, but then if you act different, you're almost not one of them. Yeah, and then. And so it's just a, a double jeopardy, you know, that yeah. you're, you're not going to meet up to one standard. And then if you don't meet up to that standard, then you won't meet up to the other one either. Yeah. You know, so. You know, it's interesting that you say that when I was fairly new and I was on midnight shift, uh, I was in what we call, well, at that particular time we had districts and I was in two district and uh, two district has uh, what we refer to. There's a strip club called the Dirty Bird in it, <laughs> and so uh, there was one night where I came back in after shift, and my sergeant calls me aside and he's like, "Hey, Hogue," and I was like, "Yeah," and he said, "Hey, uh, do you have to do a bar check at the Dirty Bird tonight?" And I was like, "No, I didn't." And he's like, "Well, why didn't you do a bar check at the Dirty Bird?" And I said. Well, it's in the county. It's not in the city. You know, it's in my part of the town, but it's really not a city deal. And I knew what he was getting at. I knew he was like, oh, I know you're a Christian. I know you used to be a pastor. He's totally baiting you. Totally baiting me. And I and he goes, well, what about... And then he mentioned this other place that is within our town that isn't necessarily a uh, strip joint, um, but the girls do... Um, their job topless <laughs> with pasties over their nipples. And he goes, well, what, what about this place? Did you go in there? And I said, no. And he goes, well, why didn't you go in there tonight? And I said, well, it's Thursday. They're closed. You know, it's like, this is like the one night that they're closed. And, um, I just found it very interesting, uh, that he chose that kind of to ask me about it. And, I just looked at him and I said, I said, Sergeant, I said, I don't have a problem doing my job. If, if I need to go in those places, I will certainly go into them. I'm not going to avoid them because of what happens in there. And I'm certainly willing to engage if I need to be there. But you're also not going to find me just hanging out there for the sake of being there because I can see, you know, what happens in those places. Right. And, uh, he actually ended up being somebody that had grown up in the church uh, during his law enforcement career had gotten away from his faith and what he held to be true. And as him and I got to know each other, um, I realized that he was actually kind of looking for somebody to say, uh, I have principles, I have morals, this is why I would or wouldn't do that. And it led to a lot of different discussions. And so um, I guess just sort of my, one of the things that I would remind people out there is that when you are being judged and when you tend to be, um, sometimes maybe you feel like you're being focused on by your peers or a supervisor or somebody, uh, there is a good chance that they have seen something in you or they know about your, your faith system. And um, maybe they're secretly hoping that you're going to be the guy that does the right thing and you do the right thing principled, um, I think there is, especially in these these jobs, because I think there's a, you know, we have a we we have a moral value that we want to live by. I think it's part of what leads us into you know military and law enforcement careers. So I think there's, there I think there might be this little voice inside that's saying, man, 
you know, I still want to have hope in humanity. I still want to have hope in these things that that are that are rare. Right. And so, you know, it's even in our imperfection, you know, I think people sometimes secretly root for us because then they can go, oh, I can actually talk to him maybe. Yeah. You know, there's, and, and I don't want to project that that's what always happens, but I, I think people in these jobs, they, they, they stay with them because there is a little bit of there's an inkling of hope even if it's diminished over time you know the the flame doesn't may not as burn brightly you know as it did in year 1 as it does in you know you know now that it's year 10 plus but i i you know i think that there's this you know we we want more for ourselves we want more for people who have faith um and i think part of that jaded jadedness gets lived out and we're just like well you know, I'm effed up, they're effed up, you know, what difference does it make? We're all the same in the end. You mm-hmm. know, I think that's what kind of sometimes gets, you know, is overshadowed with, you know, the day to, the grind, the day-to-day. I, yeah, I definitely think that is true. I definitely think that is true. And at the same time, though, you know, when we, when we, you know, if we're trying to live out our convictions, you know, in these professions, you know, uh, and we want to share truth, you know, we also can't be judgmental towards those of us, those around us that may not be Christ followers. You know, um, I, you know, I heard it said a long time ago, it said you don't have to be in ministry to have a mission field. Absolutely. You yeah, know, and that's so, definitely true. And it, and it's, um, I think that, you know, we, we, we forget that. We forget that our job may be our mission field, and that doesn't mean we get on a soapbox and and Bible thump people. But it, you know, you know, just allowing, speaking truth, but doing it with grace. You know, when mm-hmm. someone asks you a question, be honest, but but do it in love. You yeah. Know? Um. Don't don't shy away from your faith either. You know, I you know I think that, I think that Jesus wants us to talk about faith. He wants us to be willing to engage um you know paul said i'm all things to all men which means he's engaging anybody that's um that's talking to him you know he he gets he meets them at where they're at you know so if it's you know someone in the public or if it's you know a coworker, you know we need to be we need to be sharing our faith when we have those opportunities even in our imperfections you know mm-hmm. we have to trust that the holy spirit's going to do something with that because we're not going to change anybody. Nope. It's going to it's nope. going to be God. So we need to be speaking the truth when it comes up and you know it's and it's going to be I think there's going to be sometimes when it's just it will just flat out be challenging. There's going to be this conviction that we know that oh this is the right thing to do but at the same time it's like that fear of being judged again comes up. Yeah. You know, we need to we need to engage. So so I had I had a conversation uh, this past week with a, a fellow sergeant who basically um, he he said so you're a man of faith is basically how he referred to me and I said yeah I consider myself a, a person of faith and his kind of reply to me was is you know I, I he said I believe you can be a moral person and not have a religious belief and. So my response to him, which is, I think, a good way to um, convey truth with grace, was my response to him was, is, so is that the objective? Is our objective to be moral people? 
And he was like, well, yeah, that's, that's, and that what it's all about. And that why we're police officers is, you know, we uphold morals, we uphold ethics and, and, and that sort of thing. And I said, so what does it really matter when we all die to, you know, I was a moral person. You were a moral person. I had a certain faith belief and you had a certain faith belief. I said, does that really matter when we die? Um, and he, he believed it did. He was like, yeah, I think it, 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 I think the way you live your life, you know, kind of how your family views you, how you'll re- be remembered. And w- our conversation didn't get taken out to the extent that I was kind of hoping that it would. But I just, you know, ultimately my point was, is we all eventually get forgotten. Mm-hmm. You know, we all eventually are not remembered. And so is that really what it's all about is, is being a good person, being a moral person. And didn't really try to convince him one way or the other, but basically just said to him, you know, if, if when we're all done and we die, it really doesn't matter one way or the other. Sure. It's nice if my grandkids go, Oh, you know, Dave was a good, good guy. And this is why he was a good guy. But ultimately a couple hundred years, we're all going to be forgotten. I said, what really matters is if there is something after this life, because if there is something after this life, then where you spend eternity has significance. And um, like I said, we didn't get to finish the conversation. We were actually interrupted, and I'm hoping it, it, it there's that place. But in that moment, I'm not going to convince him of anything. I'm not going to prove anything to him. Um, he knows who I am. He knows how I operate. Uh, I, I could genuinely say to you, based on what, people see of, of him and me at our department, they probably would say he's a more moral person than I am. Uh, but I don't think it's about being moral. Uh, well, I mean, he may be a moral person, but he's still not perfect. No. I mean, it's just, I mean, I mean we're, we're still human beings, even if we're, you know, that, you know, moral, moral person, you know, it's, I don't know. There's, there's more to it than just that. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a story beyond our own that that needs to be recognized and and is ultimately more important. And I, you know, I would even say, you know, as you're telling the story, I'm thinking, what are your morals based on, though? Who decides that? There right. has to be a standard set there has somewhere. To be, yeah, what's good, what is bad. Right. So it, it comes from somewhere, you know. Um, but so I, I guess one of the things I I would just say to you is in those moments. Um, asking questions is a great way to engage others when it comes to faith. The questions are non-threatening. Uh, you know, if you're in if you're in law enforcement and um, um, you're you do this job, um, you know how to ask good questions, and so you realize that. Uh, asking questions can be disarming and allow for the conversation to cont- continue on versus sort of taking a stance of I'm right, you're wrong, I've got the moral high ground, you don't, which just really seems to... Well, I think part of that is our own facade that we project. You mm-hmm. know. Um, I think these, these jobs definitely have a tendency to create this uh, tough guy persona. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a you know, man or woman in these fields, you, you have to be tough, so to speak. And, um, you know, you know, 
let you, don't 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 have a facade. You know, if you're gonna ask the questions, don't don't project something that's that's false. You know, allow your own you know uh, walls to come down a little bit to to show your own humanity, your authenticity. That you no, know, you really want to know that you really want to engage. You know, mm-hmm. we, you know it's. I, I think it's easy to say that if you're jaded, you have these walls that get thrown up to protect yourself, either protect yourself or just keep people out because you're just like, eh, yeah. I just don't want to, that's not where I want to go. And it, a wall is just a facade. It, it's, you know, it's blocking, mm-hmm. you know, us from them. And, you know, we're called to more than that. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that is, that is certainly easy to do is to put up that facade and act like we're something that we're not. Um, yeah. It's, it's, well, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I remember my time in boot camp, you know, you're, you're trying to, I mean, you don't know your, your ass from a hole in the ground and they're yelling at you and they're, they're, you know, confusing you. And, um, you know, it's such a culture shock. You, th- you think they're these, you know, almost bulletproof individuals, but once you realize that there's, that they have, there is this facade that they have to put on for the training aspect. But, you know, once that, once you see past that barrier, you're like, oh my gosh, he's just a normal guy. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So one of the other terms that we use a lot, and and we may revisit this at a later time, is is jaded. And so I'm I'm going to Merriam-Webster's dictionary. We were very intentional by choosing the term jaded. And uh, the first definition of jaded is fatigued by overwork. Uh, I would say that. Anybody that's in the military, that's in law enforcement, has probably been overworked and overworked to a sense of, you know, why am I having to handle your problem? Why am I having to deal with this situation that you have gotten yourself into and now you want me to fix it for you? And then the second one is made dull, apathetic, or even cynical, but not just those things in and of themselves, but there's an experience by having seen too much of something. And again, I think this just fits so well with what happens in the military of, um, we see a lot of death. Uh, we see a lot of violence. Uh, we see a lot of, of people, of the bad side of people and how we treat each other. Well, it's humanity's worst that we're, con- that we're cleaning up. Yeah. In a sense, it's just, that's just nature of the work. Yep. And I think, you know, the other thing for me in law enforcement, the other thing that we see is is we we go on these calls and we deal with people and we take the time to investigate and we get down to what we think is the um, essence of, of what has happened and then we send it on for charging, uh, whether that be in a municipal court or a district court, and then uh, the charges just get dismissed or the person is allowed to plea it down to something that is basically the equivalent of, of a slap on the back of the hand for something that, that in our opinion, should require so much more. And uh, I think that's another way that we get jaded. Is that I remember my father-in-law is a retired police officer, and I remember um, he used to be a part of this uh, team, the murder squad, mm-hmm. and detectives would get called out. And basically it's a pooling of detectives to help solve a murder case more quickly, you know, um, pooling resources and... Um, it was early on in my marriage, he, you know, um, we were going to do Thanksgiving. He got called out and my mother-in-law was obviously a little, 
I don't know if upset is the word, but sorely disappointed that he was leaving for work mm-hmm. and, you know, had this murder and you do all this work and all this investigating to find out that they were fighting literally over a piece of chicken and, yeah. and the argument ensued. And as a result, someone got stabbed with a kitchen knife. Really? Right. That's, that's, that's what that you got. It was so bad yeah. over chicken that that's what you had to do. Yeah. Well, it's no wonder. It's, it's really no wonder that, you know, that we that over, that over the course of, you know, all this stuff that we're continuing with, that what else are we going to be but jaded? Mm-hmm. Is, is there any other result that we're going to get? I don't <laughs> think that there is. You know, that, that's just it. So. And so, yeah, as we become jaded and we deal with the reality of being a human, how does that affect me as, as a follower of Christ? And. Uh, what do I need to do to renew my relationship with him and, and to work on being salt and being light? Um, it's not always uh, so easy. Any other thoughts on well, what we've been yeah. talking about? I don't know. There's a, there's probably a lot of things we could talk about with that. But, you know, it's it's not easy in. It's not easy out. And right. um, I think that the only way out is to... to, to it, it take, it's going to take work, but it's where our faith is overlapping our work mm-hmm. and we try to make those synonymous with one another and that's that's not an easy task with this job it's just not it's it just it, it isn't it's you know you know how do you look at the things that you're supposed to look at and go oh yeah somewhere in the midst of this is jesus mm-hmm. it's that's not always it doesn't always feel like that no so um i think just kind of recognizing that and then Realizing the importance of having, you know, a very Christ-centered life is going to be uh, a big determination and on how we deal with the job. Honestly, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's it's so multifaceted. There's got to be a center, and it's got to be Jesus. Bluntly, it's got to be Jesus as the center. Allow Him to work in us and and through all the the garbage that comes up. Yeah, absolutely. And so we want to be real. We want to be authentic. We're hoping that you will uh, join us on this journey as to what that looks like, as to how we do this. Um, it's just that 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 it's it isn't easy, but again, God says that all things are possible for Him, so uh, that's really not an excuse that it's not easy. Nope. <laughs> um, you know, the other thing that I'm I, I'm starting to understand more and more is just this idea of being a lifelong Christian. And finishing strong in our faith, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to use air quotes of it's easy when you're younger, when you're in college, maybe even newly married. And and if that's not your experience, then that's not your experience. But I do think there is a difficulty that comes with following Christ over decades that you just start to go, wow. My, my little simple answer that I had for this when I was 19 doesn't hold up when I'm, you know, 39 or, or whatever. <laughs> and you start going, uh, I'm a little more jaded. I'm a little more cynical. I'm a little more like, oh, it's not so easy. And as I read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, from beginning to end, as I look at God's word, that fits with what he says. You know, he tells us that it's going to be tough. He tells us that he desires uh, obedience and that he desires us to pursue him over the long haul. And so, 
It's a marathon, not a sprint. Marathon, not a sprint. So if you happen to have listened this long and you want to get a hold of us, they can email us at... Uh, the jaded one percent at gmail dot com, just like the website. Uh, the jaded both spelled out num- number one, and then percent spelled out at gmail dot com. So you can get us there, or you can visit us on the website, which we're still developing. Yeah, there's um, a section you can. Uh, there's a comment section, and that will automatically email us if that makes it easier. So. So, so we'd love for it to hear from you. We'd love to hear your feedback in terms of what it means for you to be a Christian in the military. What it means to be. Uh, a Christian in law enforcement. Uh, and if you found us and you're not in one of those two careers, maybe you're a nurse, maybe you're a first responder, maybe you're a teacher, I don't know. Because I do know that there are certainly professions other than these two uh, where you can become jaded uh, by your experiences. Even lawyers. Even lawyers, <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, well, that is episode three for the Jaded 1%. We appreciate you uh, listening and hanging in there with us and being a part of the conversation. And we look forward to hearing from you and what you have to say. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.